You are listening to the Moms Full Circle Podcast, a place for moms or moms-to-be to come together and support one another, laugh together, maybe cry together, ask your most random baby questions too, judgment-free, and tune in to hear all things motherhood. As a mama myself, I know the importance of having a tribe to lean on during this wild ride. I hope this podcast will do that for you too. So grab a cup of coffee or maybe a glass of wine, probably the video monitor too, and let's dive in. Hey, you guys, welcome back to the Mom's Full Circle podcast. Today I have Dr. Britta on the podcast. She is a pediatric PT based out of Denver, but you can find her on Instagram at Progress Through Play, which I included in the show notes here. But today I had her on and we chatted all about infant development up through age three is really her core focus. We chat about leaps, if you are familiar with developmental leaps, and if they're really accurate, and if so, why are they causing our babies to be fussy, and can we do anything about it? We talked about milestone anxiety and how us parents might be feeling a little bit overwhelmed or even guilty if our babes aren't really meeting what is expected of them at certain ages. We chat about different gadgets on the market, Britta calls them containers, and do we want them? Do we not want them? Kind of what do we do when we're building a registry? This was really an interesting conversation and I think is going to be so helpful to so many parents out there, which is why, as Britta tells us, that she got into this field because it is such a gray area for parents. So before I give away the rest of the conversation, I'm going to hand it on over and I hope you guys enjoy this. Please make sure to check out the show notes so that you know where to find Britta, where to find myself and share this out while you are listening. I will catch you guys at the end. All right. Hey, Britta, thank you so much for coming on the Mom's Full Circle podcast today. We are so excited to have you here. Thank you so much for having me. Hello, everybody. I am Britta Stefano, and I am a pediatric physical therapist and mom of two, and I have a practice located in Denver, Colorado. That's awesome. So I'm really, I was really excited to come on and talk to you today because pediatric PT, I mean, you talk about it even a little bit on your website that it was an area that kind of you saw it was like a need and parents were kind of in this gray area of not knowing, you know, what should my kid be able to do and, and all of that. So I'm excited to dive into that today, but why don't you give just a little bit of background about, um, what you do and how you got into the field of physical therapy? Absolutely. So I've been a pediatric physical therapist for over 10 years now and worked in a variety of settings. The field of physical therapy is amazing because there are so many different ways that you can practice and in different um, areas. And I have found throughout my years of practice that I'm most passionate about helping kiddos basically birth to age three, because I think that early intervention is so important and so key to setting our kids up for success. But I'm also a mom of two myself, and when I, you know, went through that process of becoming a new mom and and gaining these new communities of mom friends, I really realized how in the dark a lot of parents were about what was going on with their kids' development. And I thought to myself, like, wow, I'm armed with all of this information. How can I get that out to parents who may not necessarily have a 
a specific reason that they may need to go see a physical therapist, but just would like to have a deeper understanding of what's going on with their kids' motor milestones. So I started my practice, Progress Through Play, to try and help with that missing piece, to help kind of demystify development for all parents, while also offering services for children who may need extra help in some of those milestones. And so kind of across that spectrum of supporting families and their kiddos and their motor skills. And I like how you mentioned too that it's really it's for everybody. It's not if there's just, you know, specifically a delay. I think a lot of parents can agree, you know, especially as kids get older and they have a lot more awake time. Sometimes you're kind of looking at them like, what am I supposed to do with you? Like, I'm going to play with you, but like, what should we be doing? Is it appropriate to do this with you or not appropriate to do this with you? And, you know, I think the information that you share on your page is so helpful to kind of put it out there like, okay, this is kind of the milestone, but here are things that you could do or here are some things that I would recommend because you're right, parents, like if they don't have that background knowledge like you have, you know, what do you do? <laughs> right. And and part of it is also to, I just recognized how much um, milestone anxiety there was around, you know, kind of our society and social media and the comparisons that can sneak in and the fact that you go to your you know periodic pediatrician doctor's appointments and there's just a checklist with some big milestones on there can they sit up can they crawl can they walk and just focusing on those big checklist items can sometimes send parents into this anxious spiral and I wanted parents to have a greater understanding of all the little mini milestones that happen along the way that lead up to those big ones so that they can enjoy the journey a little bit more and not constantly be worried about the next big thing that's going to happen and be really present with their babies and develop that kind of compassion and understanding of all the important little tiny things that are happening literally every single day that are important. They're just as important as those big checklist items Mm -hmm. at the doctor's office. And so I wanted to empower parents to really um, enjoy their baby and not be focused on that that anxiety. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I love that. And that's a perfect transition into, you know, what does it look like then when a family comes to work with you? And if they do have kind of that milestone anxiety or like, how do you approach that? Are you kind of showing them, okay, but here are the many things, like what kind of does it look like when a family comes to you, I guess? Absolutely. So my favorite thing and the way that I start out appointments with my families is I am observing and it's a skill, honestly, observing that I hope to impart on the parents as well. But being able to take a step back and just watch how baby naturally moves, what they're doing, what skills they currently have. And as I'm doing that, I'm talking to the family and I'm talking through and explaining everything that I'm seeing and the importance of it and what that means for their development. Like, okay, development happens from the top down. So your baby has to develop head control before they can develop upper body strength, before they can develop this, this, and this. 
And so I'm looking at that progression and saying, okay, well, your baby's already developed amazing head control. That's awesome. Now they're starting to recognize that they have hands and they're discovering their hands and that's important for this and this. And I feel like breaking it down that way and just starting with observation before we even jump into any type of purposeful play or facilitating of milestones is just an important thing for families to learn. And, and that feeds into that, that enjoyment of like just recognizing where your baby's at right now um, and not worrying about what's coming next, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it's, it, I have a four-month-old here, and my husband and I will constantly talk about, like, it's just crazy when you really break down how many things that they need to learn that are kind of foreign to them right now. And, I mean, it's really cool to watch, but it's wild if you think about that they're starting from scratch and like you said like recognizing their hands like that's a thing before they can even decide what to do with them it's just like what are these things and you know I I would imagine in their little brains it's overwhelming and it's scary and it's exciting but it's a lot It, it is a lot and it's it affects you know things kind of across the board your baby's working so hard to form all of these new pathways from their brain to their body and discovering things constantly that when parents are able to really sit back and recognize that it also helps them understand what else is going on with their kiddo so when they have a sleep regression or <laughs> they're extra fussy for a whole week or whatever may be happening that may be kind of adjacent to these motor skills that they're learning it helps you kind of connect the dots and yeah. realize oh my gosh, my baby just discovered their hands. No wonder they're wanting to constantly like chew on them and they can't be swaddled anymore because they want to have their hands out. And, um, you know, it really, I think it helps you get through those tough times when you have a better understanding of how many things are truly going on in your little one's body and their brain. Um, because it's hard, yeah. you know? Um, and any little thing that we can do to kind of make those times easier yeah. can be helpful. Now, hearing you talk about that, I don't know, are you familiar with the Wonder Weeks mm-hmm. app where they kind of discuss the leaps and all of that? Like, do you find that that tends to be pretty somewhat accurate information? And if it is, like, what kind of causes that, the the fussiness or the regression? And are there things that parents can do to kind of try to alleviate some of that for their babies? Yeah, absolutely. So I didn't necessarily follow Wonder Weeks with my own kiddos, but I I do find that it is validating for some families whose kiddos really do kind of follow that. And that validation is important. So absolutely, if a family feels, you know, that that's helpful for them to have that information, um, then yeah, that's a great thing to follow. But from my perspective, I'm looking at it more of just like, where is the kiddo developmentally when I come to work with them as a physical therapist and babies are going to practice motor skills in their crib. It's just, that is a a fact (laughs) and it's a safe place. Also their brains are kind of downloading everything that's happened throughout the day. Think about like the same way you're downloading information and that kind of influences your dreams, but like your body, they're forming all of these new neural pathways that yeah, they're gonna roll over in their sleep maybe the fir- for the first time, or they'll, you'll walk in and they're sitting up and they've never sat up before. 
or they get stuck standing on the side of the crib because they've never stood up and now they don't know how to get down and they're screaming for mom and dad and you're like, what are you, what are you doing? <laughs> we have to lower the crib now. So just recognizing and knowing that as the brain is trying to process all of these new skills, it is going to affect their demeanor and their sleep and the crib may be the place where they are practicing a lot of that. But what I tell families is if we want to try and offset some of that, we can't avoid it completely because you want your child to develop, right? Um, is practice as much of it as you can during the day. So repetition is what helps build those pathways in our babies. And so the more you can help them practice whatever that skill may be during the day, especially maybe like right before sleep time um, and help them master it a little bit quicker uh, may help you get kind of over that hump a little faster. Mm -hmm. yeah. uh, but it's often not completely unavoidable. <laughs> Um, because we do, we want our babies to gain those skills and it's a lot, it's yeah. a lot of work to be a baby. <laughs> it really is, it's gotta be overwhelming. Now, specifically a skill that I kind of wanted to touch on today because you share a lot on your page about it is tummy time. And I mean, I feel like I'm in the thick of it with my daughter, lots of tummy time, lots of support with rolling back and forth. Um, she sometimes is into it and sometimes not, but can you talk a little bit more about tummy time and why it's so important for us to practice it and then even if there are families that are maybe struggling that baby is just totally resistant to it um what they could do absolutely so i think tummy time has become kind of a buzzword right uh after we started having to put our babies to sleep on their backs we realized infants really weren't getting as much time on their bellies as they were prior to that back to sleep campaign and so it became something that we had to intentionally incorporate into baby's day and into their routine. And that's kind of where that tummy time term came to be. And, you know, it's important that we give our babies a variety of positioning experiences being laying on their back, laying on their sides and laying on their tummies. But the reason why tummy time kind of gets you know, all that buzz around it is because of what I mentioned before is about how development occurs and that top-down kind of um, progression that happens. So if we're wanting a baby to gain head control, that means they have to learn how to move their head against gravity. And so to do that, we would lay them on their belly so that they can learn to lift their heads up and gain that head control before we can progress kind of down the chain and gain stability and mobility in the rest of their bodies. And so the best thing that parents can do to kind of set their babies up for success in that realm is to start tummy time from day one. And that doesn't have to look like, you know, just flat on the floor by themselves. That may look like chest, you know, chest to chest, skin to skin, um, you know, laying with you it may look like um, you know being held tummy down over your forearm as you walk around the house and talk to them and narrate your day we can vary it up it doesn't always have to look exactly the same but the goal is that you want your baby to progress in terms of their endurance and in terms of their kind of skills in tummy time and building it into your routine from the get-go 
is going to be super helpful down the road. So if you start out in the beginning and you say, you know what, I'm in this newborn mom haze, you know, it's really hard for me to remember, you know, whether we've done it or not. And, you know, my days are just kind of all mushing together. Sometimes I'll tell parents, well, here's a really easy trick to fit it into your day. Just do it after every diaper change. Roll your baby over, whether it's, you know, on the changing table or on the floor, wherever that may be, and see if you can get, you know, 30 seconds, a minute, maybe sing them a song and see if you can get two refrains in of twinkle, twinkle, and then next week you're able to get three mm-hmm. or whatever their like motivation may be, but building it into your routine so that it just becomes kind of a second nature for you to make sure that baby gets that time on their tummies throughout the day. And I do understand, like you mentioned, that that's easier said than done for a lot of babies, right? I hear it a lot, obviously from people who come to see me, that my baby just will not tolerate. They're very resistant to it. That triggers me, um, you know, that my baby being upset about something that I'm doing to them, basically. Um, And that kind of causes a spiral of avoidance because, you know, mom or dad feels triggered by the baby being upset, so we're just not gonna do it. Um, And I want to empower parents to try to lean into it and not avoid it, but figure out the why. Because if a baby is truly resistant to tummy time, there's something going on. There's a why there. If you need assistance in figuring out that why, that's where myself or someone like myself could help you. I tell parents, I put my detective hat on. I'm going to help you figure figure this out. Are they uncomfortable? Is it that they have some reflux and we need to adjust when we're doing tummy time during their routine? Is it that um, they're holding some tension in their body? They're tight. They have some restricted muscles or some range of motion deficits that, you know, that it's, it's really not a comfortable position. Is it just that they need some modifications to make it a little bit easier in the beginning and then we can graduate them down to being flat on the floor. You know, there's a lot of things that we can look through to support the parents and the baby for it to be a more peaceful and productive activity to progress their development versus a stressful thing that you are dreading and avoiding in your day. Hey, you guys, quick break from the podcast here. I wanted to make sure that you knew all the details about the Moms Full Circle workouts that I just recently launched. This is a subscription-based workout program for just $14.99 a month, you guys. I am giving you five workouts every single week. They're brand new every week. You're gonna get an on-demand video library. All of the workouts are full workout videos with me doing them with you. You're gonna get a personalized nutrition guide. You are going to get a community of mamas cheering each other on and me as your coach. So please visit my Instagram, which you can find in the show notes. Get yourself subscribed and let's work out together. Yeah, and like you said, the sticking with it. You know, I was kind of looking back on old pictures and I found one of my daughter less than a month old at that point and we were doing kind of chest to chest but my, I mean my goal was was tummy time but she had fallen right asleep on me and I had snapped a picture of it and now to look at her I kind of put it like a side by side of now where she's pushing up onto her hands and she's looking around the room and it's like it's just crazy to see that you know we went from couldn't we make it through 30 seconds of tummy time to where we are now and it's just crazy within four months kind of 
how much they can grow and develop in one area. Exactly. And that's where I find it is so empowering to sit back and notice those things because instead of you know, saying, oh my gosh, my pediatrician said my baby should be doing 60 minutes of tummy time. I got to watch the clock. Have they done it? And now I'm adding up all these minutes throughout the day. I don't think we've got there. Instead, you're recognizing, oh my gosh, you know, just a month ago, they were barely lifting their head and neck. Like, that's such a crazy difference. And I don't want parents to dwell on that, like, have to have this amount of time every day. And instead, watch the change within your own baby and realize that their endurance is progressing. And I did used to only get through two rounds of Twinkle Twinkle. And now I like stopped singing because they're sitting there so Mm -hmm. long. Um, And just being able to to watch your own baby's progression. And if they are struggling, you know, reach out for assistance so that you don't have to, um, to, to worry about missing out on that. That part of their development well and it's a good point like you brought up you know you go to the, their whatever checkup and the pediatrician kind of has a checklist and it, we just recently had ours you know can she grasp at objects is she on her tummy is she rolling like and I guess you could say we were we were fortunate that we could answer yes to those questions but I can imagine if I was answering no to even one or two of those things, the anxiety that I would feel and you kind of immediately like blame yourself as a parent. Do you have a lot of families that come to you that have that anxiety of like, you know, my doctor told me they should be able to do X, Y, and Z and what am I doing wrong? Yes. Yes, absolutely. And, and that's what, you know, one of my goals of creating my practice was, was that I wanted to provide that peace of mind to parents because I I recognize that in my own self, I have a tendency towards that, obviously not in the motor skills area because I do have um, you know insight into that, but in other areas of my kids' development, like I am that parent who has the tendency towards anxiety and worries about certain things. And I was like, what would I want if I needed support in that area? you know, for my own children. And that's what I set, up, set out to create. And I kind of started out actually with my Instagram page on social media, and it's become a great adjunct for my in-person and virtual practice because I just thought that parents deserved to have that information and those resources. And oftentimes they weren't being given from the pediatrician's office. And I don't fault pediatricians for not being or not having time to sit down and do a full developmental, you know, evaluation or being able to teach parents how to do tummy time and all of those things, that's not their job. But I felt like it should be somebody there filling in those gaps. And so that's what I hope to do for families. Yeah, absolutely. Now, kind of with all of these skills and the development and all of that, you, you get the gadgets kind of that are on the market. And I'm curious your thoughts on some of those. I know, you know, personally as a first time parent, I stayed away from them at the beginning because they intimidated me (laughs) and it was just, you know, easier to have a blanket on the floor and, you know, have a few toys here and there. Um, but I'm just curious from your viewpoint, do you find like, are there specific ones that you're like, yes, these actually do have, you know, a good use to them and maybe no, these ones are not really necessary or you should stay away from these. Absolutely. So 
you're right. There is parents are kind of inundated with convenience items, baby gadgets, gear, all the newest, greatest, fanciest stuff that you know you feel like you should be registering for and um, getting for your baby because they need it for their development or whatever it may be. And as a mom myself, I obviously understand the necessity for some things, right? Uh, especially now that a lot of us are working from home and, you know, they, our babies are only tolerant of the floor up to a certain point. But what I teach my families and help them to understand is that we have to reframe our thinking around these, what we in the PT world call container devices, but really it's just anything that you put your baby into. So that even includes things like car seats and high chairs and strollers, but on the other end of that, it's also the the bouncers and the swings and the exercisers and the bumbos and, you know, the list mm-hmm. keeps going and going. Oh, yeah. Developing <laughs> more and more items that our babies quote unquote need. And, and I help my families to reframe their thinking around them because they are not a tool to help your baby progress their skills or their development. Instead, they are a like convenience item or a tool for you as the parent. So when you can be intentional about how you're going to use them, you can avoid falling into the habit of kind of shuffling your baby from one device to another device to another device. Um, and I, I always tell parents, if at all possible, choose the floor first and just have that be your go-to. And then obviously there will be times when your baby's like, I'm not having it. You cannot put me down on the floor. And in those cases, then we can go, okay, well, you know, this is not the right time for floor time. What are my other options? Maybe I'll baby wear right now. That's a great option. It's not, um, you know, as uh, restrictive or, um, you know, difficult to, to overcome uh, than some of the other devices that are, are not my favorite. Um, so baby wearing may be an, an option or you go to your bouncer or you go to whatever it may be, but you know that you tried the floor first. And it's all about balance. You'll have days where baby's just not gonna go on the floor. That's fine. Mm-hmm. And you think about it the next day and you're like, okay, you know, yesterday was really hard. We didn't get a lot of our floor time in. Let's really try today to, to find some balance and get a little bit more in. And just know that it's going to ebb and flow, right? But we want to have in the back of our minds just the notion that we're being intentional about it and trying to use them as minimally as possible and balancing that out with good, ample floor time because that unrestricted free movement on the floor is where all of that like trial and error is going to happen and the repetitions that we need to build those skills. And it'll help if you also let your baby kind of build the the frustration tolerance that comes from like trying something and then failing and then having to try it again because they're not gonna just you know sit up the first time they ever try it right um, and so allowing them to just be comfortable on the floor without the assistance of something holding them mm-hmm. up is gonna help them build those skills of being able to do the trial and error and getting over those frustrations of not being successful the first time they try something um, but I would never judge a parent for using any type of convenience device in the moment that they need it. Um, the other thing is just to be aware that what stage of development your baby's in and what type of device might be developmentally appropriate for them. Because I do see some misuse or you know, 
babies being put in things before I, I think that they would be developmentally ready for them. Um, and so to just do a little bit of research to see kind of where your baby's at and what, what it might be appropriate for the device you're choosing. Yeah, that's a good point. Now, like with the exercisers or the bouncers or the jumpers, I feel like there's a lot of information about that uh, currently. In you know, they used to be very popular, and now I feel like they get a little bit of backlash because, you know, the joints and all that. Kind of what are your thoughts on those? You know, honestly, I think there is a spectrum of, you know, in terms of what devices I like, obviously I some are better than others and at the bottom of my list would be the rolling walkers that baby goes inside so not a push walker but a, like one with the sling seat in the middle that baby goes inside um, so if at all possible to completely avoid those they are a no-no from my perspective they're not even legal to sell in many other countries if you go to Canada interesting they're not, they're not allowed um, they've been banned so if we can avoid those at all possible, yeah. that, that would be great. Um, and then, you know, jumpers kind of are the next one up from that, that are from a physical therapy perspective, just not um, as good as um, some other ones. And it's really, if you're using it super minimally, it's not going to do anything to your kid. Like if you're looking back and you're like, oh my God, I put my baby in a doorway jumper. I totally <laughs> screwed them up. Like. <laughs> I understand how some of this information on social media can cause parents to have those anxiety spirals. And I do post stuff, right, where I'm like, I'm putting this out there so that you have this perspective of like where I'm coming from as a physical therapist. But the other side of this is like, I'm a mom. My oldest child was in a doorway jumper and he's fine. He's seven. (laughs) (laughs) But if you're going to pick and choose, just understanding what developmental effects it could have and what may be a better choice can be helpful. But it's not that like you just ruined your child by putting them in there. Um, they just put a lot of a lot of strain on your kiddos' um, hip joints. They cause them to be kind of more up on their tiptoes and activating a lot of muscles that we just don't need babies to be activating quite yet. You know, kids don't jump until they're two. so if we could be focusing on other movement patterns and muscle activation, it will be just more beneficial for their development Mm -hmm. than constantly being kind of up on their tiptoes and jumping and bouncing, if that makes sense. Oh yeah, it makes perfect sense. You know, it's funny though, my husband and I are both big into the fitness community. We own a gym and he works with athletes. So he is, you know, very passionate about all things, muscles, mobility, and all of that. And he was so concerned at the beginning about things like the swaddle and about the way like my daughter would lay with her legs kind of opened up and arms up and he was always asking the doctor like is this going to do anything to her joints and isn't don't you think this is (laughs) you know typical first-time parent so even just hearing you talk about this like I just know he's going to be that anxious parent that's kind of like nope, we got to avoid that because we don't want anything to happen. And honestly, to me, I kind of take the approach of the less gadgets that we have, kind of the better, you know, that kind of keep it minimal and use what you can. But like you said before, you know, there's always these new things coming out on the market. And how do you build a registry and decide the things that you actually need? Yeah, honestly, you're as a, a physical therapist, I would probably take it all off, all the gadgets and stuff. <laughs> 
besides the necessary ones, obviously, like your car seat and your stroller and your high chair, um, I would get a baby carrier of mm -hmm. some sort, whatever you're going to be most comfortable wearing your baby in, and a play gym, play mat yep. of some sort so that you have a designated space. Truly, you really only need like a blanket on the floor. Um, but if you wanted to register for something, mm -hmm. uh, a, a play gym or something of that sort would be high up on my list. And then instead of registering for all those other things, like we've talked about the bouncers and the swings and the bumbos and the exercise saucers, wait and see what you feel like you need as a tool like we talked about in terms of our reframing, our thinking of what do you feel like would be beneficial for you in your daily routine that would help you out as a parent. Like that 20 minutes that I gotta go change the laundry, do the dishes, take a shower, get the siblings dressed in the morning, whatever it may be. And you know, baby's just not gonna have it laying on the floor for that whole time. What tool is gonna be helpful for you? Mm -hmm. And just wait to see what your routines are like and what you feel like would be helpful for you. And yeah. that would be the approach I would take. You know, if I was re registering for a baby right now, oh, yeah. that would be to just don't actually start out with all of it because then you might fall into that habit yeah. if they're already all there. And instead just try it out and see what is it like just having a safe floor spot and what parts of my day would be a little easier if I had something else and a tool to help entertain baby for my nice hot shower yeah. or whatever it may be. Yeah. Um, so that's the approach that I would take for registering. That's a really good point. Now, as we kind of wrap up, I like to, you know, ask moms or ask people that I have as guests on here, a more personal question is how have you, I call it upgraded since you became a mom? I think that sometimes there's a lot of noise on social media about you know, the, the stressfulness of becoming a mom, which is true, absolutely, but I like to kind of shed some positive light on it of, you know, how have you upgraded or what's something that has been a positive change that you've seen in yourself since becoming a mom? It's a fantastic question. I think the biggest thing that I've learned about myself is my adaptability and becoming more flexible. I am more of a type A person. So learning that, you know, I didn't get to just decide the type of mom I was going to be and, you know, have my checklist and it just to work out the way I had planned it out in my head and realize, I think a big epiphany for me as a mom was that each of my children needs me to parent them in a different way and learning to be able to adapt to that and let go of some of that rigidness of my previous self and just embrace being who my kids need um, has been while difficult at first in realizing that um, it's been a great grow growth area for me and um, constantly working on it but I, I've just enjoyed kind of the change that has happened across my kids are now seven and five so the past seven years and I would imagine too that that reflects in your practice too the fact that you can be flexible and 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 stay away from that rigidity because then parents feel that from you and hopefully maybe can pick up on some of that themselves when maybe they're feeling rigid or they're feeling anxious about certain milestones too Exactly. I hope so. I yeah. hope that they feel that. 
Now, can you share, and I will make sure that I write this up in the show notes too, where people could find you um, virtually and then how they could go about working with you at whether they're local or virtual. Absolutely. So the first stop I would say would be to check out my Instagram page, which is at progress through play. Tons of free information there organized through my highlights. The link in my Instagram bio also will take you to a lot of my resources. And in that um, realm, I've got, you know, uh, PDF guide downloads. I have virtual courses. You can work one-on-one with me virtually, or if you're local to Denver, I do in-person visits where I travel to my clients' homes and um, do sessions that way. So several ways to work with me. Awesome. Well, I will make sure to include that. And thank you so much for coming on the podcast today. You're welcome. Thank you so much for having me. If you enjoyed today's episode of the Moms Full Circle podcast, be sure to hit subscribe so you can stay up to date with all of our new episodes. I'm always looking to expand my tribe, so please reach out. You can find me at Caroline underscore Prestano on social media. I can't wait to connect with you and I'll catch you in the next episode.